Good morning, or whatever time it might be when you're listening. Welcome to our adult Bible class for today. And here we are again with unusual circumstances. We are not in despair. We don't want there to be downtime. We are not taking a vacation from the Lord's work. We're not isolated from our Bibles. We are not being prohibited from doing the Lord's work. We're just handling these things with our modern technology until the crisis passes, and we believe it will. We have just finished First and Second Thessalonians. I have two classes ready now, a survey of the book of Ruth. And then the plan is to begin in Proverbs on March the 29th. We are monitoring reliable sources from day to day. It's hard to predict exactly when normal will resume. Let's not let this be downtime, but seize opportunities that will maintain and grow our faith. So have your Bible ready now in the book of Ruth. Two classes, and we're going to call this a survey of the book of Ruth. Just a couple of introductory remarks, and then I'll walk us through the first two chapters. Historical setting, the time of the Judges. It says, in the days when the judges ruled. This story is first set in Judah and then in Moab and then back in Judah. You can consult a map in your Bible if you would like to, then resume this recording. Most of us are familiar with Judah and Moab. Geographically, Judah, Moab, and then the story goes back to Judah. Listen now in Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Let's pause there. This was a period of time in Israelite history after they settled in the land of Canaan of moral chaos before the time of the kings. You've probably seen charts which depict the cycle of history during that time. Now, look at the last verse in the book of Judges, just before Ruth. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Elimelech takes his wife, Naomi, and their two sons out of Judah, away from Bethlehem, over into the land of Moab for food due to the famine. They remained there. And tragedy struck. Elimelech died, then his two sons, who had married Moabite women, died, leaving three women, Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. 
Remember, Naomi is an Israelite. Ruth and Orpah are Moabite women, and that's how the story begins. Let's continue in Ruth chapter 1 at verse 6, reading through verse 18. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have no hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Some comments here. Naomi heads back to the land of Judah, and her two daughters-in-law are with her. Naomi tells them to return to their family. This was an emotional scene, but then the two daughters-in-law said, No, we will return with you to your people. There was some discussion. Then Orpah went back, and Ruth stayed with Naomi, saying, Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, and so she said no more. We're going to continue now in Ruth 1, 19 through 22. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem, and when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? 
So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So they arrive, the two women, at the beginning of the barley harvest back in Bethlehem. Noteworthy in this final paragraph of chapter 1, Naomi is bitter, even changing her name to reflect her depression. I want us to take up chapter 2 in the book of Ruth with some pauses during the reading. Ruth 2, 1 through 8. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. In this survey approach to Ruth, we're not going to stop and make comments or critical remarks about all that is reported here. The essence of this is the Jewish customary interest in securing a husband from the family of Elimelech for Ruth to have a family. There is some curious matchmaking going on here, but not unusual in that time and culture, and there's even some mosaic law in this arrangement. Our first impression of Boaz in these opening verses is good, kindness. He said to the reapers, The Lord be with you and bless you. Let's continue in Ruth 2, 9 through 23. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, this is Ruth to Boaz, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? since I am a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to the people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, 
for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she arose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she said to her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, This man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. There is a lot here for us to digest, and we will not dig into every detail. Here's the essence. Boaz wants Ruth to stay with his group, and he is protective of her, charging the young men not to touch her. Ruth responds, I'm a foreigner. I don't deserve this kind of treatment. I want you to listen again to Boaz responding. Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth's response, verse 13. I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. It is at this point, perhaps a little before, we see the formation of a relationship, and then there is a dinner date. After that, again, Boaz gives instruction to his young men, do not reproach her and leave bundles for her to glean, Ruth shared the bounty with her mother-in-law. Naomi said, Blessed be the man who took notice of you. 
When Naomi learned who this was, she was pleased and considered him to be one of the redeemers of the family that had been shattered by death. Naomi listened to Ruth describe all of this, and Naomi said, it is good. So this brings us to the end of chapter 2. Before additional observations and takeaways, just pause and think about what we've read in this narrative. And if you need to stop the recording here and go back and read chapter 1 and chapter 2, then resume the recording. That may be of some value. I want to make these observations and takeaways, and then in the next lesson, the next recording, we will navigate through the next two chapters. Number one, don't try to turn every character into a lesson. If we spend too much time in analysis of each character and strained attempts to turn every character in the story into a sermon, we may miss what the whole story is all about. We may miss the main thing. I think that's critical in books like Esther and Ruth and in other biblical narratives. Almost endless analysis and strained attempts to turn every detail in person into some sort of imagery, a sermon, a lesson, when in many cases they are simply characters in an event, not the main point. I'll give you two examples from the book of Ruth. Questions come up about Elimelech's decision to leave Judah and take his family to Moab. Was that wise? What kind of lessons do we take from that? That kind of analysis can become a distraction from the main point of this part of Jewish history. Perhaps it bears some mention that he left the place where God put his people and went to an idolatrous land. Uh, that can be mentioned, but it isn't the main point, and Elimelech isn't a primary character in the narrative. Another example would be Naomi's bitterness. It is worthy of mention that she seemed to be a bitter widow, and bitterness is never recommended, though we do understand her grief. That said, her bitterness isn't what this story is all about in the main. As I went through the book of Ruth over the past few weeks and restudied this, it occurred to me, I need to look for interactions and relationships that contribute to the larger story here and see how these things set into motion events that came to pass many years later. Number two, the fact that the Bible writers reported something doesn't mean it is recommended. Naomi's bitterness is reported as a part of this historical scene, but it's certainly not recommended. You cannot look into the story that is told here and take from it that we need to glean barley fields or raise barley for others to glean. Just like when we read about Noah's Ark, we don't rush out to Lowe's to see if we can find gopher wood. Again, there is the main point. What's the larger story? There is a purpose behind the story that relates directly to Jewish history and to the scheme of redemption. There are good examples and bad examples that come on and off the stage in every biblical narrative. We'll talk some about that. But I'm saying years after these things happen, 
The purpose came to pass in the plan of God that God intended, and it relates to us. I promise more about that later. All right. I've hammered away at some of the distractions we want to avoid. Let's move over to the positive side. Ruth is a young woman of Moabite raising. Moab was a country that was evil and idolatrous and hostile toward the Jewish nation. She abandoned her own culture and her own people to be her mother-in-law's companion and caregiver. I believe we can call that good without any qualifications or detailed criticism or analysis. And the fullness of that good character is expressed well by the writer in verses 16 and 17, where Ruth said to Naomi, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. As far as we know, Ruth didn't have a good, clear understanding of everything about the law of Moses. Moab was a rough Gentile nation. It was all she knew in her early life, Moabite culture. And it would have been easy for her to do what Orpah did that Naomi urged her to do, but she couldn't do that. So this is the story of a young Moabite woman, a widow, who out of love for her widowed mother-in-law abandoned her own culture to be her mother-in-law's companion and caregiver. Even when she gets to Judah, and receives great benefits from Boaz, she shared with her mother-in-law. Didn't forget Noemi. Now for us, this is an example of care, sacrifice, and love. It is worthy of our imitation, and I will add, we all know Christians who take care of their aged parents, their in-laws, not because they have to, they want to. Their devotion is commendable and worthy of our imitation. We may have misgivings about the actions of Elimelech and Noemi, but what is said here about Ruth is commendable. This past week, I've seen people in this local church acting after the nature of Ruth in their concern and care for our elderly members and people at risk. That's so encouraging. All right, Boaz. At the harvest, at a good harvest, there might be have been some temptation to be very self-focused. Look at what I've done on my land. This is mine. I will build barns and bigger barns. This is the fruit of my labor. But apparently, even in the time of Judges, Boaz not only followed the rules of gleaning, he went beyond that in the case of Ruth. And I think we can be impressed by the protective measures he took out of regard for Ruth's safety. I remind us, this was during the judges' period, rough, rebellious, dangerous for women. Boaz comes across on these pages as kind, respectful of this Moabite woman, and in these behaviors, it is a good example of a gentleman. We do not offer Ruth and Boaz as perfect people, but we are not blind to their good qualities. Then three secondary lessons 
sometimes there is an opportunity to not let people grieve alone. True, there may be people who suffer loss and want to be alone, and we ought to respect that. But in many cases, widows are widowers right after a loss want to be around their family and friends. Ruth wasn't willing to leave Naomi alone in her bitterness and grief. Perhaps this gives us a cue to watch carefully and apply wisdom. There are times when we simply need to be with a suffering Christian, just being there. Maybe not much to say, but we don't want them to be alone. Boaz is a good teacher through his example of what it means to be a gentleman. There should be in men an instinct to protect women. I know that there are some in the modern women's movement who do not like me to say this. But I tell you, the biblical role model highly recommends that men protect and gently care for women and treat them with all purity. Third, Boaz's relationship to his workers is commendable. Verse 4, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. I think not every boss in that era and not every boss or business owner today begins the day asking the Lord to be with his workers. This shows a good heart and should become an example for us today when we deal with people and work with people. So that's the first two chapters in Ruth. Stand by, come back for the next recording for the rest of the story. It will be a good idea for you after this recording and before the next one to read through the entire book of Ruth. Look for that larger story and I'll be back and we'll talk about that more. And after we finish Ruth, we're going to get into the book of Proverbs. Thank you for listening. Please be safe. Check on people who may need help. Gather with your family for Bible study and prayer and stay in touch with the members at Laurel Heights.